You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. Basically made this comment that whether you like it or don't like it, whether you agree or disagree, the fact of the matter is this. Your life is always demonstrating something. And I said, we want to take one month to answer one simple question. So what is it demonstrating? And today, I want to put a cap on this whole series and answer that question. We could have given you a biblical concept at the very, very first Sunday and let you know kind of here's a biblical connotation of what God is is calling you to demonstrate. And we could have saved ourselves three weeks, but we wouldn't have had nowhere near as much fun, would we? We wouldn't have understood that great theologian foreigner, and we wouldn't have had some videos, and we wouldn't have some different things. But I want you to get ready to dive into God's Word. We're going to have an amazing, amazing time today. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, answering the question, what is it that my life is supposed to demonstrate? What is a biblical example of a demonstration that we should be striving for as I'm moving forward? And it starts with one particular verse, it's verse 3, and it's really usually what keeps most of us from, from ever demonstrating something. See, I believe everybody in this room, if we were to be very, very, very honest, we would say that a lot of times in life we usually hold back more than we push forward based on one major fear. And it's a fear that's all throughout God's Word. You're going to read it verbatim in this particular Scripture in just a minute. But the fear is this. God, don't let my life hinder or cause anybody else to not pursue you. Like, I know a lot of people that that they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, I feel God's calling me to do something, but I don't want to be a burden. God, or Mickey, I feel like God's asking me to, but I, you know, I've got this past, or, oh, I've got this situation, or you don't really know who I am, or, oh, I have these things that I've done, or, oh, I have these struggles in my life right now. And we're worried that our actions are not going to meet up with our passion and that our actions are going to trump what we're saying and it's going to cause somebody to to slide away from God rather than than to pushing them towards God. And a lot of times it will keep us from living a life of demonstration. But I want you to know that, that if you feel like that, congratulations, you're human. In fact, look in God's Word, the very first verse for today, in verse 3 of chapter 6, says this. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. We put no obstacle in anybody's way so that no fault will be found in our ministry. Now, to understand what's going on, you need a little bit of information about the church of Corinth. All right, this is a church that is in the Greece area. It'd be close to the Mediterranean Sea. Corinth was Las Vegas before Las Vegas knew what Sin City was. This is a temple that is located there uh, that would be to a Roman god, Aphrodite. It is known that during this biblical time that there was probably around a thousand or more temple prostitutes. There's this whole hedonistic mentality in this arena. And what does that mean? Here's the best way I can describe what that philosophy is. You've heard it before. Whatever feels good, do it. And that is the type of congregation that Paul is writing to. 
And he's wanting them to understand that there's this struggle that's going on in their lives, that they're wanting to do whatever they want to do on some moments. And these people are traveling, and it's a major trading port. It's actually between two particular main rivers. They're going to feed the Mediterranean Sea. It's actually known that sometimes, depending on the direction in which they're wanting to go, they would actually haul these boats across the land and put them in the other river. It's a, it's just, it's a major metropolis of the biblical kind. And it is literally the original sin city following up from what would be Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he's trying to get them to understand that you can't keep doing what you want to do and then just fit God in where you want him to be. And I think that's probably where a lot of us need to start today. Because if we were to be honest, that question I asked just a minute ago, you say, you know, I don't really want to be a burden to somebody. I don't want to cause somebody to stumble. I don't want to redirect them away from God. I, I want to help people through my demonstration, through the way I live my life, to make a difference. And the thing that scares you to death is that you sit in a place right now, and I can't talk for you, I'll talk to me, okay? That sometimes I know who I am and I don't trust me. Like, I get worried. Because I know some of the things that I battle. You say, well, Miggy, what, what is a pastor battle? Well, you know, in between, you know, I wake up usually about 4 o'clock. I spend the first six hours praying and in God's word. And then, I, that's a joke. <laughs> you know, usually I wake up, and you know what I have? I have the same things that you have. Thoughts running through the day, figuring out all the things I need to get done, trying to pause it before I get too far into the day, to spend some time in God's Word to get direction and understanding, to spend some time communicating with Him so that He will direct my life. And if I'm not careful at the end of the day, I'll get to the end of it and go, wow, boy, I don't even know what today was. And a day turns into a week, turns into a month, and we're at the end of a series. But I want you guys to really focus in. Because today, I don't want us to talk about this aspect of how the world can creep in but I want to talk about how you can demonstrate how the world has been left behind. And so I want you to make a commitment to me. Today, if you've had things that you've struggled with in the past, can we make a commitment that for the next 20 minutes you're going to leave it in the past? And you're going to focus right now on what is it God is calling you to do moving forward. If you've had some struggles, maybe some things that you're dealing with even today, maybe addictions, maybe relationships, maybe anxieties, maybe depression, that for the next 20 minutes, we're going to let God define our life and understand what he wants us to do and just how powerful in him we can be rather than all the other things that we choose to allow to define us. And we're not going to worry about whether or not our life is going to be a stumbling block towards others. We're going to look at it the fact that, you know what, God wants to allow us to be a pedestal for, to push people up towards a relationship with the Lord if we will demonstrate. And so let's keep reading. So what does that mean? Well, they had the same struggle that we have, but listen to what it says. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Now that word commend is a very, very unique word. It's right there in verse 3, or actually verse 4. But it says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. The word commend, I wrote the definition down, simply says this. To present as, a suitable, to present as suitable for approval or acceptance. Now, I read that definition a minute ago of demonstrate because I wanted to read the definition of commend, and you'll understand very quickly. In some translations, it will be translated in the NIV, it says to show ourselves as servants of God. Or in some other, the international version says in order to demonstrate 
as a person or as a servant of God. See, I believe that the world, as we said last week, and you can go back to the previous three different sermons, but last week we made this statement. The world is looking for a demonstration worth believing in. And I believe that your life can very much be that if we will demonstrate something bigger than ourselves. And I think that's exactly what he's talking about. We, we commend, we, we show, we demonstrate that we are servants of God. So the question is the question we asked four weeks ago. So what is it? What is it that God wants my life to demonstrate? What is it that I should be focused on? How do I know what God wants in my life? Because you'll have a lot of people, they'll start throwing these major church words out there and talk about these different aspects of discipleship, and those things are great. But there's something that God really wants for your life, and I want to make it as simple as possible. Why? Because I'm a simple as possible type of guy. You have a very simple-minded pastor, and I want to make it very applicable. So I want you to listen to the answers that are found in the next few verses. Starting at the end of verse 4. It says, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And then listen, it gives you four different categories. By great endurance, in affliction, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labor, sleepless nights, and hunger. By purity of knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truth speech, by truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, though honored through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imprisoners and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. See, in this scripture, it's going to give you a very real way for you to understand what it is that God is calling you to demonstrate in your life on a regular basis. And if we were to break this scripture down, it has four main categories and then subcategories under each one of those that I just want to simply give you. It's a very quick message, a very simplistic message straight out of God's word that I hope will motivate you with a motivation at the end. The first thing that it talks about is that you need to be demonstrating the aspect of endurance. Can I put that in simpler words? You have got to resolve in yourself that no matter what's going on in your life, I am committed that I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I don't mind telling you that I have gotten very, very intrigued uh, in recent weeks and months because I feel like I'm in a group of people sometimes that as soon as the first thing happens that's not exactly the right way, they just quit. They just say, okay, that's it. Now, that's not a boomer statement, okay? I'm just saying I'm with some different people that whether it be athletes, whether it be parenting, whether it be at work, like if things don't go the right, well, we just quit. Uh, Our staff jokes around with me because they're like, we never knew you could ask questions like that. Questions like, I'd call the phone company. Hey, that ain't going to work. What are we going to do about this? Like, what do, you, what do you mean we're going to do it? Like, I'm a customer, you're providing a service, and so the question is, can you resolve this or am I leaving? And they're like, what? I, like, you can do that? Yeah, absolutely. They made fun of me. We went out to lunch to McAllister's, and I got a sandwich. It was terrible. 
And I was like, oh, this is terrible. This is not what I thought it was going to be. So I walked back up there. I said, I'm so sorry. This is not, I can't eat this. This is not good. Can I just get like something? They're like, you can do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. I was like, now I wasn't rude about it. I just was like, this isn't, like, if, it, if what I'm wanting in life is not being produced through the things that I'm doing, that at some point you got to hit the pause button and say, you know what? I don't like this. I want something else. And I can't just quit and say, well, I'm going to accept this. I believe most people's biggest struggle in life, and I'd and I be careful when I make blanket statements like that, but I believe most people's biggest struggle in life is not a struggle of spirituality or knowing God better. It's really a struggle of acceptance. Say, they don't know that you don't have to accept this. Like, if you don't have the life that you're really looking for, what you feel like God wants in your life, what you feel like God desires in your life, then guess what? Then you can pursue more. Like, the only reason why you don't end up getting more is because you stopped. And you said, okay, I'll be satisfied with this. Here's the subcategories that he had underneath the aspect of great endurance. When he's talking about not quitting, Paul said, in affliction, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in labors, in sleepless nights, and in hunger. I love the way he puts sleepless nights and hunger on the same page as getting beaten. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there's a big difference in getting beaten and then I'm hungry. But what he's saying is whether you are physically being mistreated by somebody else or whether it's a physical need that you have personally, don't quit. Because what you are demonstrating to be a child of God to be a servant of God, is more important. I'm going to explain to you why that's important at the very end. The second category, if we look at this word and the way it's broken down, which is really cool, starts in verse 6. It says, by purity, by purity. Now, the aspect of purity that we're fixing to talk about, it, it lists the subcategories, and what it's talking about is, is having the right motive, the right concept, the right purity, a pure thought when approaching these things. Listen to the subcategories that it talks about. It's so cool. By purity in knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. See, I love how Paul is using these, and he's kind of putting all these things together. He's wanting you to understand that, you know what, these things, if you're not careful, you need to approach them through purity. In other words, not for your own selfish gain. I know people that are kind because they want something. You ever met somebody like that? They say, hey, I, I would love, like, I'm going to be nice to this guy because this person has something that I want. I'm going to, I don't know if you're supposed to say this from the pulpit or not, but you guys know me, so here it comes. You know, people that have, like, a little brown on their nose because they want a promotion? Oh, they're kind as can be. I'll tell you a funny thing. What is there's, there's a few things that are literally, and, and some of you guys that know me a little bit more than others know my idiosyncrasies. And there's some things that I really get enjoyment about in life as far as being a pastor. And one of them is the ways people's demeanor changes when they find out you're a pastor. Like it happens on the golf course. Like people are like, oh, God, this stupid. Yeah, give me another beer. This is, I hate this game. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, hey, how are you doing? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a deacon down the road. 
And the next thing you know, they want to talk about Jesus and the Roman road and how they're leading everybody to Jesus. Meanwhile, I said, hey, dude, your nine iron's still in the pond, you know? <laughs> or at the hospital. I go make hospital visits. And, and bless their heart, those people have dealt with a lot of different people, you know, that first encounter. And you don't know all the things they deal with. And so I'll usually try to be very, very, very kind and gracious because normally it starts out with, what do you want? And I'm kind of like, wow, I'm at the varsity in Atlanta. You know, what do you have? You know, I'm like, well, I'm here to make a visit. And they're like, well, you? you know, and then you say, why are you here? I'm like, well, I'm their pastor. Oh, well, they, they, okay. And then they start kind of, and it's funny because people will do things being kind, being gracious, but they're lacking the purity and the motive behind the demonstration. One of many questions today. What motivates your kindness? Is it a fair question to ask you? Are you ever kind when you don't receive anything out of it? Can I, can I look at some of these other ones? It talks about knowledge. What's the purity of what you're seeking knowledge after? Are you trying to get the upper hand? Are you getting into smut? Like some knowledge, you just need to be like... I'm not even going, like, my, I can only hold so much in this mind. I'm not going to waste my mind space with this sort of trash. But am I trying to get knowledge? I, this is really funny, especially when it comes to, like, the rumor mill. You ever met somebody that, boy, they want to know what's going on? Not because they want to know what's going on, but they, I mean, like, they want to be the one. You know, like, they want to be able to leverage their knowledge of you against you so they can get something. And that's not the appropriate demonstration. And it's that mindset. Think of these other words as I say them again. Are you ready? Not only with, with knowledge, not only with kindness, but listen, with patience. What's your motivation about being patient? Is it because you want something? Or because whatever you're waiting on is worth waiting on? Like learn to be patient. Why? Because there's people worth waiting on. There's things worth waiting on. Some of you are so caught up in trying to run out and find what God wants in your life, and God's like, be patient. And I promise it's worth waiting on. Because when it happens, it'll be exactly like, oh, it was worth the wait. The other things that he says is the Holy Spirit and genuine love. Now, I want to dive into the Holy Spirit for just a minute. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to make this very, very brief. But I promise, the right aspect of the Holy Spirit never puts you on a major pedestal and puts God underneath you. So whenever you are in the process and using this purity of like, Lord, I'm going to call on your spirit. You said you're going to leave a helper for me, your spirit for me. There's never a time that the demonstration of the Holy Spirit is something that should be perverted rather than pure and result in you getting the attention and the attention not being put on God. Do I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Oh, absolutely. All of them. You say, Mickey, what's your stance on that? It's in the Bible. And if it's in God's word, you know what? I believe it. But I will tell you that there's a purity 
that comes through. When I, when I think about petitioning God, when I think about the Spirit, as Scripture says, interceding on my behalf, when I don't have words to pray and to know what to say, it says the Spirit intercedes on my behalf. And I know that through that Spirit, through a purity, through a correct demonstration, that I can rely on Him to pray the things that are worth praying for me. And to demonstrate the things in my life that are worth demonstrating. See, the Holy Spirit is not my genie in a bottle. I don't use the Spirit to get the things that I want. Because I'm impatient. I'm not, excuse me, I'm not kind to God in trying to be obedient because I want something from Him. We don't talk about it a lot. I'm going to talk about it very, very quick. I don't give to God because I want something from Him. I'm obedient to God in all the little things. Why? Because he's worth being obedient to. Period. And when I'm obedient to him, I don't do it because of something I'm wanting. I do it out of a purity because he's worth being obedient to. See, that's an appropriate demonstration. But the last one he puts together. In the next verse, he puts two last categories together in one and then gives you some subtitles underneath it listen to what god's word says it's, this is so good this is one of these scriptures i've read it a thousand times but this last couple of weeks it just jumped off the page as we were getting ready for this whole series it says by truthful speech and the power of god by truthful speech and the power of god i think it's very very ironic that he's putting two main concepts of your life together and what he's talking about is the aspect that the power of God is going to allow you to demonstrate stuff that you personally don't have the ability to demonstrate. Like if you've ever hit a point where you're like, man, like I was trying to do so good, and all of a sudden it's like this old dog just came out, and I don't know what happened. It just, boom, it popped up. And I was like, oh, where would that come from? It's because whenever you start doing it by yourself, yourself is a very dangerous person. Now, I'm not talking about you wicked, you bad. You're, no, no, no. God looked at you and said you're more than a conqueror. But when you start pulling all the punches and you're in charge, man, you can jack some things up, can't you? Maybe it's just me. A lot of you amen and you elbowed the person beside you. Maybe it's the person you brought with you. But I want to encourage you to look in that mirror for a minute. Can I give you a little? Here's some excitement. You know who has been a part of every one of your bad decisions? There's one common denominator. You. And so if I know that, if I know there's only one, oh, well, no, but Mickey, most of the time, you know, I, I was running with Tim. You know, he just has a way of getting me into, well, yeah, but you were the one still there. Not, not Tim. I'm talking about any Tim. That's just a name that popped in my head. <laughs> Some of you guys, I love you so much. I love you know, just like, you know, like, I get to make pot shots, and you can't do anything about it. But all of you guys, have that person in your life, don't you? I've joked around before. It's not the message for the day, but I want the students. If you're a student in this room, if you're in high school or middle school, you need to hear me. The people that you choose to be your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. You better be careful for the people that you choose to be a part of your life. Like every great, amazing thing that's in my life, I can date it back to some sort of a relationship that, that had that encounter. And so the people that you're running with you better be careful because they will determine the direction and quality of your life. And this is what this is talking about when it talks about, you know what, the power of God. 
Like, what if I allowed the power of God to really motivate my life? And then it uses truthful speech in there as well. What is it talking about? You know, the most freeing moment in your life is when you hit a moment where you don't have to lie anymore. It's a very, very, I'm not going to say rare, but it's becoming more uncommon. And I want to encourage you, in order to have an appropriate demonstration, to be able to live your life where you don't have to lie about anything. I don't have to lie about my house. I don't have to try to put on a facade about the way my life is, what I drive, what my salary is. Whatever it is that you think motivates you that you would be something, it's very freeing when you realize that my being something has nothing to do with my things. It has to do with my being. And that's two totally different things. I know a lot of people that, that they, all, they really they live, a, they live a lie. I'll give you a real quick analogy of that. I remember as a kid the first time I went to Florida. Never been more disappointed in all my life. Why? Because I grew up in the 80s. And I, I had great movies, or actually shows, that we would watch on a regular basis. Dukes of Hazard, which we all watched it for one reason. The car that would jump. I, some of you guys, y'all, Lord, forgive them. They're terrible. You had movies like the A-Team. You know, you're like, yeah, Mr. T. But we also had this thing called Miami Vice. I thought that's what Florida was like. I went down to Florida and realized it's just like Tennessee, but it's got sand in a palm tree. Like what, what it made to be in my mind of what it was going to be and the reality of what it was did not even get close to meeting the expectations. But it's one of those you're like, you're trying to figure out what's real and what's a lie. And because of the way you're brought up and the things that you get through this propaganda that's all in our world, and this isn't this, oh, you know, gloom, despair, doomer mentality. No, I'm saying a lot of times what the perception and the reality, they're not the same. Listen to me. It is very freeing. When you come to grips with the fact that you don't have to demonstrate something that's not real, you just got to demonstrate that you are. Like you will find a lot of people that are going to say, you know what? There's a lot of things I may not understand or even agree with. But at least I know they're real. Now for some of you, you go to an extreme with that. You think that gives you the right to say whatever you want to. I just want to encourage you that part of maturity is not always having to say everything that's in your mind. But living a life of demonstration is living a life of truth. Well, you don't have to lie anymore. Yes, in my life I got struggles. Yes, in my life I've had situations in the past that I would do differently. Yes, in my life I still have things that I deal with on a regular basis. And you know what? They're not as bad as maybe they used to be. But you know what? They're still not where I want to be. And crazy enough, every once in a while an old dog pops up and all of a sudden I go, wow, I thought I was done with that. And there it sat again. But you know what? I'm moving forward just like everybody else. And the more that I love God and pursue him with purity, and the more that I have endurance and I don't quit, then I'm able to live a life that's built around truth and not lies. And then this is cool. Then this power of God has a way to overcome or to supersede my life. Here's the way the scripture defines the power of God. 
This is very important for you to understand. It says, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. What is important about that? Remember a while back we talked about living a life with hands open because a lot of times we can't receive what God wants for our lives because, because we're clutching the stuff. So we got to live a life that, that our hands are open so that we can receive. And so that's the issue with your past. That's the issue with addictions. That's the issue with some of your struggles. Like today, we talk about fine freedom. We want you to leave here going, you know what? I don't have to deal with that stuff. When you have that person in your family that comes to you and wants to bring it back up, you can love them well, but you can look at them and say, listen, we got two options. We can continue to be a part of each other's lives, or we cannot. But I don't have to constantly live with this sort of bondage. God has delivered me from it. I am sorry. I love you. I want to have a life with you. I'm going to treat you with love and respect, but I'm not going to allow you to put me in chains anymore. God has given me freedom so that I can live a life with my hands open so that I can receive him. You say, why are your hands open? Because he wants you to get two big old fists of righteousness. He wants you to understand what it means to have God's righteousness. See, God's righteousness is a weapon to this world. When you show up and you are living a righteous life, what does that mean? When you're living rightly, that's not a legalistic term like you got to check through the boxes and do the right thing and I do everything. No, you allow God's righteousness to supersede your struggles. And you get two big old handful of it. Why? So that you can give it away. How do you give it away? Listen to what this, this, this is what got me fired up. I literally was ready to attack a tank with a butter knife when I started thinking about this. He says, you ready? Because of the righteousness for the right hand and the left, through honor and dishonor. Listen to every one of these. Every one of these I'm going to tell you, it gives you both extremes. It says, then in your life, you can live a life of dis demonstration whether you are being honored or whether you're being dishonored. Through slander or through praise. What's slander? When people are talking about you. How freeing would it be if people talked about you and you said, you ain't even got to address it anymore. One of my phrases I say on a regular basis, that I tell our staff on a regular basis, that I remind myself on a regular basis, listen to me very carefully. Truth fights for itself. You don't have to fight for truth. The best thing that some of you could do is keep your mouth shut. Because realize that truth's already winning the battle for you. You just keep your nose to the grind and do what God's calling you to do. And I promise, I promise that the things that you're chasing will come to fruition if you won't give up, you'll be patient, and you'll have a pure motive. Listen to what else it says. We are treated as imposters and yet are true. As unknown and yet well-known. Can I pause for a minute? What's the theme for this year? We want everybody to what, Phil? Known and needed. We are treated as if we are unknown, but yet we are known. In other words, 
whether you know me or not does not affect who does know me and who is in charge of my life. And he's going to position you in such a way that through the demonstration of your life and the way you live it, that not you, but that he will be made known through you. Some of you are going to have major things happen in the near future that's going to put you in a major situation to be able to have an influence of where the credit goes. It may be in business. It may be in coaching. It may be in, in parenting. It may be as an athlete in a school. God's going to put you in a situation where you can be successful. And the question is, when that happens, are you going to push, Woohoo! look at what I did. Or are you going to say, wow, you know what? It's not about me being known. It's about him being known. And I promise you, the more you push him up, the more he pushes you up. And then the last few where it gets good, he kind of flips a gear after that one. He says, as dying and yet behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. See, that's the testimony that Mr. Bobby was sharing a minute ago. Like God's going to put you in a situation to demonstrate. So the big question to, to put a cap on today's message is, okay, that sounds great, so how do I do that? Like, what's my motivation? Like, I don't think there's anybody in the room that after hearing that stuff says, yes, man, I want that. Mickey, what's the key to that? It's in the next two verses. Listen to what he says. In verse 11, we have spoken freely to you, talking to the Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. Can I paraphrase that? We can't love you anymore. Like, we have not been a stumbling block to you. We have demonstrated these things because of what God's called us to do. We've not done that with some sort of a, of a leveraging because we wanted something. We've done that because we love you. And we cannot love you any more than what we love you. In other words, living with a heart wide open. That's a powerful, powerful thought. You are not restricted by us. You remember I talked about at the very beginning this fear that we're going to be a stumbling block, we're going to cause somebody to not get to where they want to go? God says through the right demonstration, by living these things, by this being a part of your life, you can literally say, you know what, if somebody's struggling, it's not because of me. You've not been restricted because of me. I can't love you anymore. I've loved you the most. Some of you parents in the room that have had some students or maybe some children that have went a route that you wouldn't necessarily choose, can I give you a big dose of, and you can breathe. Listen to me. If you've loved them the best that you can love them, guess what? You can't love them anymore. They're not being restricted by you. It is not something that you have done. This scripture is going to give you what it is. It says, you've not been restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. And then he says, I, I talk to you like, like children. Because I want you to widen your hearts. What is he talking about? Have you ever seen a child get something for the first time? All of a sudden, everything else is dead, isn't it? Oh, I got a new present. This is great. And all of a sudden, the, you know, like the most favorite special thing ever is no longer special anymore because this is the thing. See, that's a child's mentality. They get something new and they immediately go, ooh, this is it. And in Corinth, you know what the new was? Self-gratification. 
in your process of pursuing self-gratification, you forget about who God is. And I'm speaking to you like children, like you can't see the forest because of the trees. You can't love people well because you're so just consumed with loving yourself and gratifying your own self. In order to have appropriate demonstration, he says, you know what? You've got to learn to live with your heart wide open. See, Mickey, what does that mean? Well, here's the way I put it in my notes. There is more love in you than you realize. In fact, I believe that God wants you to love with your heart wide open because in you, there's actually enough love for everybody. I have people ask me all the time, well, how in the world can you be a parent of five? Because we stopped. If it wouldn't have been for medical things, to be honest with you, Amy and I would probably be that family, be like on TLC, like we got, you know, 23. She just passed out. Somebody wake her up. <laughs> because what I realized with each child that was born is, guess what? I always had a little bit more. Like, there never was a point I was like, well, Brian, welcome to the world, but I'm tapped out. We're just going to have to adopt you another daddy. The more that God poured out his blessings in my life and in led my, when I had the right motives, when I was focused on the right demonstration, when I was showing and expressing the things that are worth believing in, when I was obedient to him, God had a way of welling up in me like this spring that says, you know what, there's always more. And when I look around, I think some of you guys, including me, sometimes put a cap on it. I think God's got something major in your life. I think he wants to put you in a position of influence that's even, if you were to actually see it, it would probably scare you to death. You probably would never come back. You'd say, oh my gosh, I don't want that. I don't want, I, I, you'd, you would totally disqualify yourself even though God's completely qualified you. And God's saying, you know what, why don't you let me be the God of the more? Why don't you just focus on demonstrating? Showing something that's worth expressing that gives you a belief in something else. You be my demonstrating peace through endurance, through purity, through being able to live a life that's just truthful, and for me to be able to show my power in you. That when you're, when you're lacking, when you have nothing, yet you'll have everything. That, that when you're sorrowful and hurting, yet you're still rejoicing. That when people are, are talking about you and, and slandering your name, you still are praising and understanding he's giving you ability to have an influence. See, through God's power, he has a way to hit the polar opposites of what the world says, and he can use you in both situations. You say, Mickey, where does it start? It starts from the pure motive of why are you demonstrating. We have to demonstrate God 
not us. Because he's the only thing that I found is worth being a demonstration for. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.